Well, welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast. This is your host, Tim Ferrara. This podcast is designed to help you keep your eyes on Jesus. And as always, we are a member of the Edify Podcast Network, full of great Christian podcasters. Find a new one today. Last week, I had an awesome conversation with the Prophecy Pros. We talked about end times and the importance of biblical prophecy and how it can strengthen our faith. Well, this season is almost at an end of this podcast, so let me know if you'd like to see any bonus episodes in between seasons as I plan for season four. Make sure you email me, discerningdad at outlook.com. Also, I would appreciate your support in getting my two books, Everyday Discernment, The Importance of Spirit-Led Decision-Making, and Eyes on Jesus, a 90-day discernment devotional. You can get both of those on Amazon, and the links to them are in the show notes. I'm excited to talk to Drew Barker today. He has an awesome podcast called Hope After Hurt. I was actually on his podcast talking about the Hillsong documentary that came out earlier this year, so you can check that out as well. And as we talk about Church Hurt, I do have a Bible plan on the YouVersion Bible app called Hurt by Christians. You can check that out. And without further ado, let's talk to Drew Barker. Welcome to the podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the podcast. My guest this week is Drew Barker. He is a husband, a father, an experienced church leader and former Elevation staff member. He is currently the lead pastor at Revolution Church in North Carolina, and he hosts the podcast Hope After Hurt. Drew, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Doing really great. Really thankful for the opportunity and uh, and our friendship, man. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's been great to connect. Uh, just this year, really early this year, you know, your podcast yeah. came out, uh, that first episode was so powerful. And I reached out to you <laughs> and we've kind of connected since then. And right. I was, I was on a podcast recently on there too. And so we've just been, uh, been able to be friends already. So I'm excited to have you on. You have some wisdom to share about church leadership, church hurt and how we can heal past it. And so we'll get into that, but let everyone know a little more about yourself. Anything you like to share in your bio that wasn't there? For sure. So first off, my family, I've been married uh, for nine years uh, to my beautiful wife, Bryn. We have two kids, a four-year-old Rylan and a son, almost two year old, uh, two years old, Levi. And uh, like you said, currently lead pastor at Revolution Church, also have a podcast, Hope After Hurt, uh, trying to run in as many directions as I can. Um, and then as far as me, uh, you know, grew up a pastor's son. My dad was in ministry uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, accepted Christ when I was eight years old and kind of like the majority of a lot of people's stories uh, through my teenage years, early twenties, decided to kind of pull away from the church and, um, and then got reconnected in my mid twenties, uh, found a great church, had a mentor that helped me really rediscover uh, my love for Christ, find my passion, find uh, really uh, what I believe uh, God has called me into and uh, that's led to just an unbelievable turnaround, a great story. And I, I do my best to, to share as much of that as I possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. And you've worked at a bunch of different churches. Uh, how many yes. or all over the country? Where, how, what has that journey been like? Yeah, it's really been interesting. Everywhere from uh, startups to, to some of the larger uh, churches in the world. So uh, it's, it's been fascinating. I, I've, I, like I said, I grew up in a church that was a little more small, uh, Southern Baptist. And then when I got plugged back into church in my mid-20s and ended up serving on the worship team and ultimately became a worship leader there, um, 
15 to 20,000 person church, uh, as you mentioned, elevation, uh, followed that. And then like, after that, like a startup, uh, of like 43 people, uh, mm-hmm. that led really to a season of my faith growing in an unbelievable way, just because, you know, when you're, when you're at that point of, I don't want to say desperation, but when you're at, when you kind of have your back against the wall and the only thing to do is really innovate at that point, yeah. um, you really are reliant on God in such a beautiful way. And, uh, and he pulls through and <laughs> it's incredible to see that. And it really just builds your faith, it builds your confidence in, in what God can do through you. And, um, so yeah, it, it, it's been an incredible journey. It's led me to, experienced some some great things along the way. I've, I've been very blessed to be around some amazing leaders, some amazing uh, staff uh, members, and some amazing friends. Um, but I've also had an opportunity to experience some some tough things in leadership. Uh, and, and that's led to me getting to a place of going, man, I, I wonder who else has experienced this. And I mm-hmm. wonder if instead of like that being the justification to run away from the church, and run away from Christ and run away from these like relationships. I wonder if maybe I could share some of that and it would get us to a point of like, Oh, okay. Me too. I've experienced that. And, and let's build out of that, like a better version of what we really believe God is calling us to. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like too, is you don't just bring up stuff to make it salacious and fun to listen to, but also like, Hey, what do we do about this? Like, you know, let's learn from the past so we don't make the same mistakes. And that's a big part of the hope that you provide after the hurt as name of your podcast. Uh, and I think too, you know, I, I relate to your story cause I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor and, you know, I never really renounced my faith. I had times in college, you know, where I wasn't really pursuing God. And, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's amazing the journey when you do follow God, because he takes you through twists and turns you didn't see coming. And, oh, yeah. you know, we're both pastors now. And I think both of us probably didn't think we'd ever be pastors. And that's one of the, no. you know, I grew up in the <laughs> business world for over 20 years, just managing uh, retail and, you know, furthest thing from my mind. And it's funny how, you know, if you just kind of to submit to yourself, walk in humility, uh, and follow God. He has bigger plans than we have. So, yeah, I remember growing up, I, uh, I always called the, the worship pastor, a Sunday sensation. <laughs> um, that was probably a, a bad thing to do, but, but my big thing was, I just didn't want to be a Sunday sensation. I just didn't want to be this guy that, you know, worked at a church and every Sunday, everybody was like, well, yay. Like, you know, and they're like infatuated with you or they think you're so talented or whatever, you know, you get in the habit of like, well, good, you know, good word pastor. And you're just like, man, like, I I think there's more to that. And, and I thought uh, finding more to that was outside of the church. And what I, uh, what I learned, what God has taught me is that I believe he's, he's calling the church into a, uh, just a, a better place. And, and uh, it's a harder place, uh, but it's a place that, that honors uh, him more. And so I think um, I, I'm now like, I'm not a Sunday sensation, but that's kind of my motivation, right? Like, I don't want to be just that Sunday guy, uh, but, but now I have an opportunity to, to change that and be a part of the change based on, you know, what I've learned from others and also, you know, the mistakes that I've made as well yeah. in, in that. So that's cool. And that's, you know, one of the focuses of this season is uh, discernment roadblocks. You know, when we make those decisions, when we try to pursue God, there's oftentimes things that come along the path that we didn't see coming that we have to pursue through. Now, if we are in the right path, you know, enduring sometimes 
hardships or, or trials in life in order to see the blessing that God promised on the other side is important. And so that's why I wanted to bring some clarity to the fact that we will come across roadblocks when we pursue God, when we seek discernment. Uh, and it's sure. not just that, oh, I just make the right decision. Now the next 10 years of my life are going to be good. That doesn't happen. And so I wonder if you could share a story when you had a, a roadblock in your life that you were pursuing God on and you kind of had to pursue through it in order to see kind of what you were seeking. Yeah. So man, I have, I have so many. <laughs> um, so I have one that's, uh, I, I'll, I'll share two. So there's one that's outside of church that really brought me back to church. And then uh, the other is, is a, a, a church situation. So I was in my early twenties, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was pursuing a, a country music career. All right. So that's a whole, like, oh, nice. it's a whole nother, <laughs> whole nother story. Right. So I'm singing at bars downtown. I'm playing drums for people. You know, I'm trying to write music. I'm doing everything. Um, but th there was always something in me that knew that like, this was my plan and not really God's mm. yet. I was running after my plan, asking God to bless my plan. And then when he wouldn't, I would be very upset at God, right? right. It's a very, very bad theology to go with. And, and essentially I started like praying, like, if this is not where you want me to be, you need to make the signs clear and visible. And I thought what I was essentially praying for is that he would just talk to me. What that led to uh, was just incredible environments that I found myself in. I remember one of the biggest moments for me, uh, I got done with a gig at like 3 a.m. A buddy of mine told me about a party that was happening at somebody's house. It was still going on. There were girls there. So naturally, we're all like, let's do it. We show up at this house. We walk in. As soon as we get there, there's this huge bowl filled with pills. Now, I'd never wow. seen anything like this before. Wow. But but I was I was asking questions and I quickly found out that this was like a pill party. And the, the goal was that you just take like a handful of pills, some alcohol, you mix it all together and you see what kind of night you're having. Wow. And I was like, uh, I don't I don't know that that's me. I don't know. That's really me. But the people I was with, that was them. Mm. Uh, and I walked to the next room and there's people doing cocaine on the on the coffee table. And I walked to the next room of the house and there's people just like passed out and people sitting like right next to people that could be dead and just having casual conversations. And I, mm. and I just looked at this environment and I'm like, is this really like, is this really me? Like, is this who I am? Is this, is this what I'm chasing after? I'm chasing after this, you know, this kind of lifestyle. Right. And so it was, it was really a, a wake up call. And I had three or four of those kinds of wake up calls. I had a, a gig I was headed to in a minivan. We got pulled over by a cop and, and the, one of the guitar players goes, we can't let them search the vehicle. We can't let them search the vehicle. And we're like, why? And he's like, cause I have cocaine in my guitar case. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, so I, I had all these things just stack up time after yeah. time after time. And finally I had to make the decision that this guy who had left home, who had left the state of North Carolina to run off and go after his dreams, that he was going to quit on that. And then he was going to come back to North Carolina with no plan, with no money, with no understanding of what the next step was and trust that, that God would do something with that. Mm. And that was an incredibly difficult decision because there was some pride in me that, that felt like I needed to prove to people, like I could do this, yeah. you know? And, 
and um, and I was having to admit to my friends and admit to myself that maybe I wasn't the guy that I thought I wanted to be. <laughs> maybe I maybe I didn't really want to chase after everything I was chasing after because of what that led to. And and so it was a really big moment in my life. And ultimately, what that led to is a season where I was working as a car salesman. I was doing odd jobs. I was cleaning floors at like CVS pharmacies at midnight. I was doing anything I could get my hands on just to make money. And all during that time, I'm creating this habit of talking to God without even knowing it. And I'm just in those moments going, God, what is going on? You've gifted me in this way. You've gifted me musically. You've done all this. And now I'm cleaning floors at a CVS pharmacy. God, what is going on? You've gifted me this way. You've gifted me musically. And now I'm selling cars and standing on my feet 12 hours a day. Like, like what, it, what are you doing? Yeah. And ultimately that led to an invite to church, getting back involved in a church, serving at that church, working at that church. I found my wife at that church. I found a mentor at that church, a life group at that church, a calling at that church, a purpose at that church. And I had to make a really tough decision in Nashville to walk away from my dream in order to follow what God had for me. But there, it wasn't immediate. It, It wasn't, it wasn't, I, I came back to North Carolina and boom, something switched and God was like, I honored the decision and here's the outcome. It was, I honored the decision and now you're going to go through the process yeah. that leads to the outcome. And that That's was so just good. a really, really difficult season. But now like, golly, I look back at that and I'm like, geez, I, I would so go through that season again, seeing mm. what it led to. I just had no idea at the time. So that's a, that's a, that was a tough decision. That was a part where I really felt like for the first one of the first times in my life, I stepped out truly on just desperation, faith yeah. and trusting God with the scenario. So, so that was an opportunity where I left kind of a culture thing to come back to church. So now here's an example of leaving church to come back to church. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm serving at a church um, I, and, and I'm loving it. I mean, I, I, I was, man, I was in the, the right spot. I was just feeling it. I had a great staff. I had a great campus. I mean, it was, it was just beautiful what was happening. Um, come to find out a few months down the road of getting the job and things progressing and going well. Um, the lead pastor and his wife were separating. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, when you hear that news, you're like, okay, uh, man, what does that mean? Details. Can I get details? And, um, and, and so I gave it a year, um, actually I gave it a little bit longer than a year, um, just to kind of pray, see, see what was happening. And, and this was a position where my family moved for this position. I was making good money at this position. Yeah. Um, my family was very secure with this position and we had a flow. Like it, it wasn't, I mean, it was challenging. The job was challenging, but it was like awesome. It, and yeah. it was it, like, I was doing what I love to do and the people were so great. And, and so I was just like, all right, well, this is it. Like I, I'm here forever. Mm. And then, and then that bomb drops and you're like, well, man, <laughs> what, I'm really comfortable. Things yeah. are going really well. Do I really want to leave over this? You know, how big of a deal is this? Yeah. And um, what I couldn't get over is just God's like, Hey, I, I'm so grateful that you're comfortable. I'm so grateful that you're having fun. I'm so grateful that you just feel like this is it, but this isn't it. Mm. And if you're going to be who 
you say you are, which is a leader with integrity and honesty. You're going to lead by example, and you're about biblical principles. You can't keep inviting people into this. And so that's a whole nother conversation for another time and, and you know, yeah. all that. But essentially what it led to is me going, hey, I know things are going really well. I know that this is a good situation for me and my family. And I know that if I walk away from this, it's going to lead to probably me being jobless for a little while. It's going to lead to my family having to tighten some things up for a little while. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's going to lead to us trying to find a new rhythm and a new flow. Yeah. And and I stepped away. And and that was so hard because when you step away, you don't get to always tell your side of the story. Things don't always end great. Uh, yeah. People don't always understand because you know, you know, you're, you're in, in more of the circle, right? So you know more than some people. Yeah. And so it led to a hard season for me. Um, and that season was about eight, nine months of, of no ministry, having to learn to be okay with being misunderstood. And, and so it was challenging, but what that ultimately led to was me being in probably the best place I've ever been personally, mm-hmm. my family being in arguably the best place we've ever been. And now having this refreshed, renewed passion for the church and, and then boom, right. God sets up this lead position at revolution church. And now I'm I'm stepping into that and and moving forward. So I, I think whether you're making a difficult decision to step into something or making a difficult decision to step away from something that decision usually leads to a season, at least in my experience, yeah. where, where you have to endure the, the, the consequences, right, yeah. of that decision while being in the process and the waiting for what's next. And we're so quick to want the next thing and, and want immediate gratification from hmm. God. But the gratification from God is the piece of the decision. Right. And I've always... I think the, in my immaturity, I've always tried to get the gratification in what happens after the decision is made. So if I make the decision, then in the next like week or two, God should give me immediate gratification. And that's how I'll know. <laughs> exactly. Right? But, but what I'm learning is that if you can make the decision with peace, whether it's walking away or walking into something, if you can make that decision with peace, that's all the gratification you need. Cause now, you know, you're walking in obedience and if you're walking in obedience, God's going to take care of you. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. Two difficult moments in, in my <laughs> life that led to great things. That's so good. Thanks for sharing. And that's what I tell a lot of people when I, we talk about discernment, how do I know the will of God? A lot of times I say, follow the peace of God, you know, follow the peace of a decision, you know, even if it's not the right decision, according to world standards or, financial decision. Like if the peace of God is not there upon you, don't do it. You know, and I, I tweeted this a couple of days ago, but it's, you know, don't choose not to follow God's path and then blame him later when you find yourself on the wrong one, you know, because a lot of times, like, I think you even alluded to it, you know, we just want God to bless our plans without involving him in the decision-making process, you know? Right. And I think hearing something like your story and just a small snippet here is important to understand the process involved. When we see people with the platform, when we see a lead pastor, you know, we think, oh yeah, I want that next week or, you know, (laughs) 
And not everyone wants to be a pastor or are they called to be, but no matter what we think we want, you know, I want to be a celebrity. I want to have influence. I want to be a, 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 head, a CEO, you know, all of those people go through a process and some people go oh, through yeah. a process that doesn't involve God to be, to get where they are, you know? And so we have to uh, make sure that our lives, what God is calling us is not going to be a cookie cutter thing based on what everyone else is doing. Sometimes we have to go through the desert like the Israelites did in order to get Egypt yep. out of us. We have to be able to submit to God and humble ourselves before him in a trial, in a period where we have to be reliant upon him daily, like they were for their daily bread through manna. But we don't, that's not, that's not enticing. That's not like, oh yeah, you just got to endure this oh, trial. Oh yeah, you know, right, exactly. We don't, exactly. don't want to hear that in our flesh. We just want the blessings of God now. Yeah, and, and for me, like I grew up watching, you know, MTV Cribs you know, and seeing expensive yeah. houses and women and cars, like, of course I want that. And then I'm like, oh, well, God gifted me musically. <laughs> so yeah. obviously he wants me to own Ferraris and have <laughs> lots of women. So, you know, I, I tried yeah. to fuse them together. The other thing that I love, and, and this is just so much what I, I love about God and, and how he is uh, continuing to teach me through my children, how he views me. What I love about God is that even if I know I need to make a decision, but I might not make the right one, he will so gently and lovingly just steer me back on track. Yeah. So one of the things I think of is my daughter who's four, you know, she doesn't know her left from her right. <laughs> and um, the other day we were coming home from a bike ride and uh, she was in front of me. And we got to this like little intersection stop sign thing and there were no cars or anything. And, and I was like, Hey, let's go left. <laughs> Just, you know, to a four-year-old, let's yeah. go left. So I'm standing behind her and I'm asking her to go left. And what she did is turned the bike right and started going right. Yeah. And what I love about it is she was being obedient. She was going to continue straight, but I asked her to turn left. Mm. She turned right. So she made a move because she was asked to move, but she didn't make the move I necessarily was asking her into. Yeah. And then I found myself going, no, 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 no. It's okay. And grabbing her shoulders and turning the bike back to the left mm. and going, no, I meant left. Like this is left this way. Yeah. And it just hit me like, there's so many times that I get caught up in thinking I have to make the right decision. Like right now I have to, you know, God's telling me to make a decision and I have to choose left. And he's got to, I got to know that he wants me to go left. And it's like, God might just be asking you to move and take a step. And then after you take that step of obedience, he'll worry about correcting you on where the path is. And so I, I love that, that that's the kind of God that we worship. And that's the kind of God mm. we surrender to is not one that goes, you, you, you know, you dummy, right. you went right. And it's like, no, it's the kind of God that grabs you around the shoulders and says, no, it's okay. I yeah. see things differently. I see a, a better perspective and, and you just need to come back this way. Mm. So that I, I think that's what we've got to focus on is not trying to get everything right. But if God is calling us to move, then, then let's move and trust that in his sovereignty, he'll, he'll figure it out. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. There's so many good analogies with parenting and how we think yeah. of our heavenly father, you know, being patient with us, being kind, you know, the, the perfect example of fatherhood that uh, we strive to be. But at the same time, you know, we have to realize that 
uh, if we do make that wrong decision, there is grace. There is a way back, you know, just like, even if we hit yep. rock bottom, like the prodigal son, there's a way back. Uh, or maybe it's just that gentle nudge, like, Hey, you know, I know your intentions were good, but this is really the path you're supposed to be on. I think that's a right. good reminder yep. for everybody. This podcast is part of the edify podcast network. Edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. So I want to move on to your podcast, Hope After Hurt. We talked about it briefly, but you talked about stories of failure in church leadership. Uh, and like I said before, not just to point the finger at what happened, but also to challenge listeners that we sure. need to do better and there's a way how. So uh, tell us more about your heart for why you started this podcast and what you hope this conversation will help uh, do among church leadership and, and people that go to church. Yeah. So it all started when um, a, a good friend of mine kind of shifted my perspective in what I had experienced in ministry. So unfortunately, um, about every church I've been to, uh, there has been not just like small things in leadership, but, but rather large things that have happened with the, the top of the, uh, of the leadership funnel. And um, I used to have this perspective of like, kind of woe is me and why am I experiencing all this stuff? Um, and then my friend on the phone one night goes, you know, everyone has access to good leadership. Like e everyone has access to, to the podcast, to the YouTube channels, to the great quotes, you know, to the yeah. Bible, to like everybody has the, the, the best of leadership, but you've been blessed that you got to experience some things that not a lot of people do. You got to experience bad leadership and you got to learn from some, some difficult situations. Yeah. And, and I guess my heart for that was just, man, I wonder what would happen if I was able, cause everybody has a story. I wonder what would happen if I was able to share my story. Maybe that would connect with what some other people, whether it's church staff or just church goers um, have experienced. And could we come around that and maybe just together have the perspective of, we don't always get it right. Even though we're usually trying our best, we don't always get it right. Um, but like, could we learn from it? And would maybe that lead to, I don't know, just a better generation of leaders, a better generation of churches, a, a better generation of community. And, yeah. and so that's really been my goal from the beginning of it is just to share some things that I've experienced, some lessons I've learned from others, some lessons I've learned from myself. Uh, Cause you know, I don't, I definitely don't get it all, all right. But an opportunity for listeners to go, oh yeah, I've seen that. Or, oh yeah, I, I could learn from that because what we, what we want to be careful of is not getting in this, this feeling of, oh, they're a bad leader. Why did that happen? Why did they go through this? And not recognizing that if we're not careful and we don't learn from it and we don't take the time to understand why that happened, that we could fall into the same patterns. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's my heart. I just, I want, you know, I want the church to keep progressing. And I think in order to progress and in order to build trust, um, because some, in some ways we're losing it, it feels like, I think we've got to be open and honest and real and help people understand that, that we we're we're human. And, yeah. and sometimes we just suck. Like sometimes we're just bad yeah. and we're, you know, we need to do better, but we're willing to like acknowledge that and learn from it. 
Yeah, that's really good. And I think there might be a perception that because it's ministry, right? Because it's a church, because these people say they love Jesus, that it's a safe place. And unfortunately, it's not always the case uh, because like you said, people are human. People are flawed. Like yeah. if I go work at a fast food, I know that I'm going to have some drama there. I know I'm going to have some problems <laughs> because of what it is. And right. uh, too often we paint this broad brush because it's ministry. There won't be any problems. There won't be any conflict. There won't be any of this. And that's just not true. Right. So this, in spite of that, because there is a greater vision with ministry, how can we then rise above those challenges of dealing with human beings who are still on this road of sanctification, who are, are, are sometimes blinded by whatever is, is, is driving them. And, and so that's what uh, I think is so important of having those conversations and not just saying, oh yeah, you're in church, you'll be fine. Uh, no, you know, <laughs> right. you have to be wise. You have to be aware. You have to be a part of the solution. Sure. And also know when to walk away. And uh, recently there's, there's been hit piece. I like to say creative projects about Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the Hillsong yep. Exposed documentary, which I would yep. encourage everyone to listen to the uh, podcast I was on with uh, Hope After Hurt when we talked about yeah. the Hillsong uh, documentary. And I'll put that in the show notes for people to listen to. But awesome. You know, what would you say for these types of projects, uh, both good and bad? What is one good thing these projects bring to view? And what is one thing we need to be cautious of when watching or listening to them? Yeah, I think so. One thing we definitely need to be cautious of is just recognizing that while the intent is giving information, there's there's always an intent to build an audience, right? And the best way to do that is to have something controversial. Mm -hmm. And the best way to do that is to probably go a little further then maybe even you feel in order to make someone kind of go a little further on their side based on what they feel. So I think we've got to be aware that like, all right, these, these are being made and these are on TV and these are on podcasts and, and the way that they're graded is like views and listeners. Right. right. So we want to make sure that we're cognizant of the, the goal. Now, that being said, um, I don't think that means that we, just say everything that, you know, everything that they're putting out there is false and that everything they're putting out there is, is skewed because, you know, even if it is there, it's factual evidence in, in the majority of cases. So I think while we're cautious, we also have to recognize that this is something that could bring growth, not just from a capital C church level in the, in the example of like rise and fall of Mars Hill and, and Hillsong, but on a personal level, we, we can't be so naive to hear these stories and go, oh, I would never do that. Right. Because, yeah, you would. <laughs> like, yeah. there, are some, there are some situations where we got to, like, really acknowledge that we have not been in some of these situations. And we don't really know what we would do unless we were in those situations. Yeah. So what we can learn from is, oh, okay. I need to make sure that I'm just not ever in that situation. That's right. Right. And so, you know, I think of the, I think of the fact that in the rise and fall of Mars Hill, one of the things that came on the last or one of the last episodes was Mark Driscoll's salary. Right. And, and it was crazy. I don't remember exactly, but I think it was like $650,000 a year or something like that. He was making his last year. And when the church falls, he gets a one year severance. And so he got paid that, but 
the the unbelievable conversations I had with people that couldn't believe he was making six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And I felt that, too. And you know why we feel that? Because we don't make that. Yeah, I don't make that. But I'll tell you this. It would be really difficult. Now, I'm not saying that I would take it. I'm not saying that I would do it. I'm just trying to make a point that this is why we got to look inward. I'm not saying I would take it, but if I were to be in his shoes and build this many campuses and be one of the fastest growing churches in America, and I've built tens of millions of dollars in the budget, and we are seeing God do incredible things through this ministry. And as a thank you, the group of elders and the group of people that are in charge of salary are offering me $650,000 and I got a wife and I got two kids and I'm thinking about what that could do for my family and the security at my home and how it peace that would bring me. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. Like I would, <laughs> I would like to think, I would like to think that I would go, that's too much. Right. But Mark Driscoll didn't get to listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mark Driscoll didn't have social media. Mark Driscoll didn't know what else. We so I think we've got to be careful to just quickly go, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're fake and you're an idiot and you're this and you suck. And all. I think we got to be really careful to like start throwing that kind of shade and just take a moment and go, all right, I need to be aware yeah. that one of the things that might catch me in my ministry is because of the effort that I know I'm putting in. And because there are seasons where I know I haven't made a lot of money and because I know that I, you know, because I deserve it, hmm. we, we just need to go like, this could happen. Yeah. And so we start making those notes. We start building accountability yeah. around it. And, and hopefully we, we set ourselves up for success before we get to that point. Yeah. And, and money's a big thing that people look at when it comes to these preachers that are uh, well-recognized. And I think it's important to not take offense to that, like you're saying, because we don't know their story. We don't know. Uh, right. A good example is I had Bob Goff on this podcast and he talked about all his book sales, all the profits go to fund his nonprofit that helps overseas uh, uh, countries, you know, and there could be a headline. Oh, this person makes this much money. Well, you don't know what they do with it. You know, maybe they're giving totally. 80% of it. Maybe they're giving none of it. Like we don't know, right. but at the same time, are you giving 10%? Are you giving of your money? Like that's where we need to look is we look so much outward that oftentimes we don't look inward. And I think a, a, a lot of times with these, uh, you know, and, I, and that's a whole nother topic is celebrity pastors and sure. what they do. And like you said, putting yourselves in situations where you're around other celebrities or you're around these uh, these crazy lifestyles. Sure. You're putting yourself in a position where, yeah, you're going to uh, start to be uh, desiring that stuff, you know, where, yeah. uh, but at the same time, you look at Rabbi Zacharias, he did not live a uh, luxurious lifestyle at all. And he nope. still got hit with the same problem. Everyone deals with is the sin that can creep in. If we're not careful, if we don't push it away, if we don't keep our yep. eyes fixed on Jesus, which is why I created the devotional with the same name. And so it's not just a matter of money. It's not just a matter of power, but what are you doing with what God has given you? Even those small pastors that, that have small churches can still fall into those same traps. Even oh, if yeah. you make $30,000 a year, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, I think the level that uh, the level you're at. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right. We just hear about the, the famous ones because now we have social media and we have that luxury, yeah. but you know, the news articles aren't covering the the 75 to 150 person church where the pastor failed. That's right. Like they're they're not. 
And, um, and, and, you know, that, like you said, it's kind of a whole nother conversation, but when you, when you have an organization, whether it's a nonprofit or not, when you have an organization bringing in close to a hundred million dollars a year, yeah. like my gosh, you know, so that's gotta be a, a, a decision that, that you make that the, the, the accountability board believes in and that, that you believe in. And like you said, you know, we, we've both met people that make probably way more than we make. And they're some of the most generous people that, that we've ever known. Yep. And, and I would rather, I would rather follow someone like that than I would someone that makes so little, they just hoard everything that's right. and don't yep. set an example of generosity. Yeah, that's really good. And for anyone listening, who's not in ministry, you know, there's such a move right now to leave church for different reasons from either COVID and they got comfortable at home. They don't want to go back or this whole deconstructionism or because the oh, yeah. church hurt is very real. And you say, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to go back to church. Like all these things are very real in people's lives. And I would say for those who, who are trying to follow God, who say that I may not be in a healthy place right now, what are some good rules of thumb for when to leave a church and also when to get called back into being part of the solution of that church? Yeah. So that's a great question. And honestly, I think it really aligns with where humanity is right now and where culture is right now. So from my view, and I'm not saying that I've got it all figured out or anything like that, but from what I'm seeing currently, the dynamic of a friendship, currently the dynamic of any relationship, any interaction is I am for you. I care for you. I've got your back. I love you even until I disagree with you. Yeah. And that's really concerning because where I see that heading is now into churches. Mm. And so what I would just encourage your listeners with here is if you are at a church and you disagree with decisions, if you disagree with the music, if you disagree with the structure of life groups, if you disagree with, I don't know how they have people serving, or you disagree with having music out in the parking lot. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Okay. But if you're disagreeing with decisions being made from like a structure side of things, and you're contemplating like the church that God called you to, if you need to leave, let, let me just kind of like throw out my two cents here. Uh, you should stay. You should stay. Yeah. And, and I say that so boldly because if we're not careful, we'll, we'll just church hop with everything that we agree with. And then we'll be their friend. We'll say, we love you. We'll be involved. I'll even serve until yeah. you do something I disagree with, or you do something that I don't like. And, and, and the struggle with that is we are creating such an example and a poor one at that of what a relationship is. Because I don't know about you, but I don't leave my wife every time we disagree. That's right. I don't leave my family when my kids disagree. And, and what I'm discovering is that I learn way more from disagreements than I do when everything's all hunky-dory and great. Yeah. And so as a church, could we be so bold? Could we be so mature? Could we be so grounded in Christ <laughs> that we would be willing to sit down and have conversations with people that disagree with us? Go to church with people that disagree with us. Go to church with people that we might not even like a little bit. Yeah. Go to church with people that live different lives than us. But ultimately, we're there for the same purpose. And that is to worship Christ. That is to point others towards Christ. That is to make disciples. That is to go out into the world with generosity and serve. And, and could we do that 
in spite of how we just judge everyone mm. or their last Facebook post yeah. or the last song that they did after the sermon or, you know, so, so as a church, if we're to go countercultural, I think we've got to be willing to say, I have been called to this church and I'm willing to stand with this group of people, that's right. even though sometimes they probably don't like me and I don't like them. And I think <laughs> that's beautiful. I think, I mean, my goodness, if we look at scripture, like Jesus could have walked away from Peter when the, when he took out a sword and took off the dude's ear, yeah. uh, Jesus could have walked away from Peter after Peter denied him three times, like he could have walked away. He could have said, you know what? I'm just, you know, I'm just done guys. Like I'm getting a whole new group. Yeah. All right. Cause you got, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> here I am, I've, I've resurrected. And some of you are still, you're worshiping, but some of you are still doubting. I'm just, I need a whole new group. Yeah. I need a whole new group. But, but what I see is that Jesus moves towards that. He moves towards the doubt and he allows you to wrestle with faith and doubt in order that you can progress in your understanding and knowledge of Christ. And so for me as a church, we should be doing the same thing. Yeah. Church should be a little messy. Church should be a little bit of a wrestle. Church should be a situation where like we're all under the same roof, but coming from way different backgrounds and experiences so that our stories have value. Yeah. And, and that way we have that way we feel the need to be heard, but we also see the value in hearing someone else. Yeah. And, is, and so, no, oh, sorry. I was ahead. just going to say, this is not a new thing. This is, you look at the Corinthians, you look at the book of Acts, you look at Peter and Paul that had conflict with each other. This is something that is uh, not just a 21st century thing. And so I think we have to remember that, that if you keep looking for the perfect church, you're going to, you're going to be disappointed. And so uh, just oh, yeah. back to you, like when, when should we leave a church? Right. So I think when, when, poor decisions or poor moments when they become lifestyles. Mm. And so what I mean by that, when we're looking at leadership in a church, uh, there, there's a couple of things I would encourage you to, to your listeners to definitely take notice of when you're looking for a church, or even if you're attending a church right now, um, you, you want to make sure like, Hey, there's accountability set up, right? Like yeah. this isn't just, this isn't just like we're gathering around on Sunday to watch this guy's gift of preaching right. because that's a dangerous space to get into. Um, but what we want to make sure is that there's accountability, that the mission and vision really aligns with what your God's calling you into and that the structure makes sense and it's biblical and there's elders and, and, and you've got a biblical representation of what God is calling the church to be. So, so now that you, you have that, now that you've seen that and you're like, okay, I, I recognize that. Now that allows you to have more grace when decisions are made you don't agree with. Where the, where the moment for me flips is when leadership takes a moment, a decision that's poor and changes it into a lifestyle mm. and then tries to justify that being like, okay, yeah. um, and, and not handling that correctly. And usually it's in those moments that you do discover there's not accountability and you do discover all the things that you were hopefully looking for ahead of time. Yeah. And so as soon as, as soon as the foundation breaks of this is not a biblical representation of, of Christ church, to me, it's like from a congregation standpoint, it's time to, time to go. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that's just, that's my personal preference, but you have to recognize your, you know, you're checking in on Facebook, you're inviting others to church. You're bringing others along in this journey. And so you have to recognize, okay, I'm a Christian. I, what am I bringing others into? Right. And, and if you're bringing others into something that's not a biblical representation of what the church is supposed, well, then you're not doing anyone any favors. Yeah. 
so for me, as soon as, um, as soon as leadership starts moving away from the biblical principles and biblical values that have been very clearly laid out for us, I think that's where as a congregation, you got to go, okay, I've seen enough. And even though this is a tough decision, like we've talked about, I'm going to step away and, and, and we're going to hope that I, I gain some clarity in the process moving away. Yeah. I would encourage everyone too. if you do step away from a church, first of all, make sure you pray, make sure you fast, make sure you really seek after God, that it's not just an opinion yes. thing where you're like, oh yeah, yes. now, it's, now it's time to bounce. I'll see you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out here. It's, you know, Monday after church and I got offended by something. That's not the way <laughs> right. to do it. Right. No. First of all, go to the pastor, go to the leadership, express right. your concerns. If they're walking in humility, even if it's not the decision you want, but if they explain it in a way that they hear you, that they understand, but Hey, this is the way we're doing it. Then they show you biblically why it's right. Then cast it aside. But you know, if you do go through prayer and fasting, and you still feel that, make sure you're also clear with leadership. You know, I hate it when people just right. bounce, and you don't know where they are, oh, you follow up I three know. months later, and you're like, Oh, yeah, I left the church three months ago. It's like, why didn't you tell me at least, you know, so yeah. you want the blessing, even if you leave on on terms, you both didn't want you want to be able to leave in a healthy way. Uh, yep. and, and so as we're ending our time here, I, I do want to you talked about accountability in the church. And for leaders who are listening, uh, many church leaders don't have accountability, unfortunately. They're yeah. scared to be vulnerable. They don't want their sins exposed or how they would be portrayed if they're vulnerable from stage. So how would you say church leaders should have layers of accountability to, first of all, ab avoid burnout? Because sometimes we just push ourselves so, so hard and so right, fast right. that five years goes by and we're in a burnout stage. Or worse, you know, this is where personal failure comes in, where layers of accountability have not been there for so long. And eventually it leads to personal failure that could destroy a whole church. So what would you say about that? Yeah. So first of all, if you're a leader and you don't want to be held accountable, then don't be a leader. That's right. Yep. Bottom line. I, I, I mean, I, I, I hate, I hate to put it so bluntly, but if you've got all these, these urges inside of you uh, and you feel like you are being called to a higher level of leadership, guess what? There is, there, there's a lot of things. There are a lot of things that come along with that. And a big one is accountability. Yeah. Um, so unless you want to be a statistic yeah. and unless you want to end up on, on a podcast, uh, maybe even mine, uh, <laughs> yeah. where, where we're discussing where, what went wrong. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be a leader, you need to get accountability. And so if you're not about that, if you're like, I, like you said, like, I, I just, I don't know that I want to bring everybody in on this. You don't have to, but you got to bring somebody in. That's right. I don't know that I want to, you know, really be that open. Cool. You're not a leader. And, and that's okay. Not everybody, not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody's game for that. But if you're a leader, you're going to have to do it. Um, the, the other thing that I would say is you need to build accountability before you need it. That's right. Yep. And the, the biggest, like just repetitive situation that I see in churches is as I'm having conversations with staff members and, and seeing how the, the church is aligned, they kind of have this reactive use of accountability. Yep. So if everything's going well, there's no need to have these accountability meetings. If everything's going well, there's no need for the elders to really meet. If everything's going well, then we don't really need to have this one-on-one -on -one with the pastor because like clearly everything's going really well. Look at mm. what God is doing. And it's like, well, what you're not, what, what you're not getting is that God moving is not the metric for someone being healthy. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so I would encourage you, you need to not only set up accountability before you need it, but you need to use it before you need it. So yeah. 
for me personally, I'll just tell you, uh, I, I'm, I am incredibly, I, I mean, I can't be more like honest and vulnerable here. I am incredibly uh, concerned that, that I will run out and build the very church that I've run away from. Mm. Yep. I'm incredibly concerned that I will be somebody that sits on a podcast and talks all this stuff about leadership and accountability and then doesn't own it. Mm. And, um, and I would hate like, Oh my gosh, I would hate to be that kind of example. And so for me, it's like, before we talk about growth, before we talk about the next sermon series, before we talk about all these things that are fun, let's rebrand, let's do the web. Before we get into all that, <laughs> let's make sure accountability is set up. And so yeah. for me, um, I have it on a lot of different layers. Uh, not only do we have a leadership and elder team uh, at Revolution Church, uh, but on top of that, there are some key guys at Revolution that I, I'm close with that, that we talk throughout the week, um, that it's, a, it's deeper than just how's your week going. Um, then on top of that, I have my uh, family at, that, that really knows how I'm doing. And my wife has uh, a contact of people. If, if ever she feels like, hey, you know, he might need to have a conversation. I have three pastors that I meet with a month from different places all across the country where we get to care for one another and, and talk through what's happening in our ministry and how we're really feeling and the weight that it's holding on us. Mm. And then on top of all of that, I have a mentor that's like legit. He is my spiritual mentor. He knows that we've talked about it and I tell him everything. Awesome. I tell him absolutely everything. And, <laughs> and what I'm hoping is this, this is my hope. My hope is that through the mentor, through the three pastors, through the circle at home, through the circle of friends, through the circle at the church, through the eldership, through the leadership team, through one of those environments, someone will notice a destructive pattern in me yeah. before I act on it. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Now, now again, I am being way too prideful for me to sit here and go, there's no way that would ever be me. There's no way I would ever do something like that. When yeah. you get tired, when you get worn out, when you get attacked, you, you just don't know. And, yeah. and so what I'm hoping is that when I'm in those moments, because I know that they will come, that I will have enough people around me to go, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've noticed the last few times you've canceled our meetings. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I've noticed that the last few weeks you keep saying this in our meetings. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. You seem tired. Hey, I, you seem a little down or depressed. Like I need people going, wait a minute, wait a minute. I see something. I see something. Can we talk about it? I need that. Yeah. And, that's good. and so, and so my goal would be, and, and for you leaders out there, like, don't just, don't just be reactive. Hey, if this ever happened, you know, and, and same with your staff, right? Like, you know, if a staff member ever did this, I think we'd have to have a conversation and, and go this route. It's like, no, man, you need to start thinking about yeah. all of those situations and be proactive and have a process in place so that you're professional, so that you're honoring your organization, so that you're honoring that person or yourself. And so that you're honoring the families, because here's, here's the fact of it. When big things happen, when big life moments happen in the church, if we don't have accountability set up, 
the debris from that explosion, the debris from the mantle breaking, the debris falls and flows everywhere. Everywhere, yep. Everywhere. And so I don't want to see that for my church. I don't want to see that for anyone, uh, anyone's church that's listening. And so set up accountability, just do it. You're a leader. If you're going to be a leader, go do it and do it proactively, not in a reaction to something. That's really cool. I just thought too, I've been watching Viking shows on, on TV and there's these forts, you know, these forts that are made of wood and they have these people on the, on the top to, to see who's coming. Like accountability is those people on your walls that can see things coming that you can't. Yeah. Uh, without that accountability, your front doors are open and you might see it coming, but they're already in the fort, you know? Yeah. It's too late. Yeah. It's too late. And that's what accountability does. It helps it see those things before they get there. And I think, uh, you said earlier, God moves dis- despite us. I think that's a good way to end is God moves despite us, not because of us, <laughs> you know, God will move yes. despite us in spite of us, not because of us. So we have to make right. sure we have submitted to his will. So what a great way to end. Thank you so much, Drew, for coming on. Let everyone know where they can connect with you and, and get your podcast too. Yeah. So on all social media platforms, uh, my handle is Drew S. Barker. So Drew S. as in Stephen Barker. And uh, and then as we mentioned, my podcast is Hope After Hurt. So you can go to any podcast platform and just search Hope After Hurt and that'll pop up. And make sure the first, if you want to check out like the very like best episode, you're going to want to get the one where both of these guys are on it. And that is our uh, reaction to the uh, Hillsong documentary. It's a great conversation uh, with four uh, pastors from across the country. And then if you're looking for, um, you know, something where you can learn a little bit more about me, go to episode one and you'll get to hear uh, a little bit of, of my story and, and what brought me into ministry. Yeah. Very cool. I'll put those in the show notes. Thank you again, Drew, for coming on. God bless you and your ministry and your family. Thank you for having me, man. God bless. Well, thank you, Drew, so much for coming on the podcast. It was great talking to you. Make sure you connect with him and get his podcast, Hope After Heard. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And for next week, I'm talking to Daniel Adams. Daniel is a revivalist and founder of The Supernatural Life, a movement of the supernatural. He has many subscribers online, goes to events around the world, and we're going to have a great conversation about deliverance, revival, and much more. So until next week, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time, keep fighting the good fight.